Shabbat Shalom, everyone. So good to be with you this morning. I'm Rabbi David Levine. Shabbat Shalom. I'm Sandy Levine. Welcome to our home. This is live from home from Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue, and it's Yom Shabbat, Saturday, June 27th, 2020. And this morning, Eric Painter will welcome us into his home, and he will lead us in Hebrew prayers and in worship. And then after that, Rabbi Yuri and I will be back for some study together and some important dialogue about this week's Torah portion and other scriptures as well. And then at the end, we'll return to Eric's house for one more worship song. I want to encourage you to hit the share button on this post right now on this video as we're beginning, because each time you do that, it, it takes the video that you're watching right now, the live video that we're doing right now, and it promotes it to your own Facebook friends. So it helps your Facebook friends see what you're doing and join us at this time. And so I have, I have a goal for this morning that we would reach 50 shares. So several times during the morning, I'm gonna say, let's keep going and we'll keep our eyes on that because this is a way really of us inviting people to join with us. It's a wonderful way that we can adapt during this live from home uh, broadcast that we're using. Also, if you haven't used the like and the follow buttons on Facebook, please do that. It's another way of you subscribing and staying close and being notified of the posts that we're offering on Live From Home and our, our Torah teaser post from Cantor Aaron Jacobs. So this is gonna be a great day. I want to encourage you also to share your comments on uh, the comment section of Facebook below this post. And during the beginning, we like to welcome each other and greet each other, and then we like to enter into worship. And as well as we're studying, we try to stay focused on the studies that we're doing together. And so it's always great when you are posting pull quotes, little mm -hmm. excerpts from what's being said, when you're posting the scripture references, yeah, and when you are actually copying or typing up the scriptures that are being read. These are great ways of participating as well as offering your amends and your encouragement too. So I wanna give special greetings to our international friends all over the world who are joining us live now and to everyone from Beth Israel, from the Mishpocha, who are joining us live today. And a warm welcome to all of our podcast listeners. We're glad that you could join us either live now or later using the, the podcast that we have for Messianic Jewish Teachings. So we are glad to be with you right now and that you're with us. And from Sandy and me, we say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Now let's welcome the Painter family to Live From Home. Good morning, Shabbat Shalom, Mishpacha. My name is Eric Painter, and I'm so happy to welcome you into my home this morning. Let's begin today's time together with the Shema and the Vishamru, and then we will continue with a couple worship songs. So join with me. Shema Israel, 
The children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat, observing it throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Shabbat to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord.
Let's 
holy unto you Lord make me holy everything in us with all of our hearts with all of our souls we bless you
Shabbat Shalom, 
This is Rabbi Yuri. Good morning and welcome into our home. Thank you, Eric, for anointed worship time today. It was so good. Thank you so much. Please leave your comments and likes to us so we can know who is watching us today. Uh, today, I want to share one interesting place from the weekly chapter of the Torah that the Lord showed me a few years ago. And I want to project it into our life today because we live in very interesting times, I believe. So it is in Numbers chapter 17, verse 1 through 8. So please open with me Numbers 17, verse 1 through 8. I'm sorry, today I would want to read from, from verse 6. Yeah, actually, from verse 6. So Moses spoke to Bnei Israel. Each of their princes gave him a staff, one staff for each prince, according to their ancestral houses. Twelve sta staffs in all, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before Adonai in the tent of testimony. Verse 8, the main verse for today. The next day, Moses entered the tent of testimony, and behold, Aaron's staff from the house of Levi had sprouted, blossomed, and produced almonds. The Lord showed his will in the life of Aaron. He made clear to the Israelites who should bear the sacrifice. And we know from the history in the culture of the Israel, the staff would be a natural symbol of authority as the tool used by the shepherd to guide his flock. So I want to capture our attention for a couple minutes here. Aaron was called by the Lord. He had been given all the gifts and authority that he needed to do his job. He was a Jew from tribe of Levi. Also, he was a high priest appointed by the Lord. He was anointed by the Lord. He was prepared by the Lord. He had a calling on his life. He had everything to accomplish his job. But even so, it was still necessary that Moses put Aaron's staff into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of the Lord, so that it could blossom and bear fruit. Dry piece of wood bear fruit in the presence of the Lord. This was a great miracle of life. The dead piece of wood became alive. It was the demonstration of the power of resurrection, the victory over the death in the presence of the Lord. And we know from the scriptures that the Lord commanded Moses to put Aaron's staff into the Ark of the Covenant forever. So it will be alive and blossom all the time, not only once, but all the time. I strongly believe today for us that our lives, our faith, our calling, and our future is able to bloom and bear fruit only when we continue to remain in the presence of the Lord. We are called to be in the presence of the Lord, to live in the presence of the Lord. We are called to, to breathe in the presence of the Lord. So let's uh, read 
John, Yohanan chapter 15, because I believe it's very similar idea to stay in Yeshua, to be in Yeshua, to remain in Yeshua. Yohanan, John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the real wine. And again, I love this word. I am the real wine, true wine, the only wine, only true wine, which has life in it. And my father is the gardener. Every branch which is part of me, but fails to bear fruit, he cuts off. It's a very serious thing. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. <clears throat> right now, because of the word which I have spoken to you, you are pruned. Verse 4. So it's not, it's not an end. You already pruned, but verse 4, the next verse. Stay united with me, as I will with you. And he said, I will with you. For just as the branch can't put forth fruit by itself apart from the wine, so you can't bear fruit apart from me. Verse 5. I am the wine, and you are the branches. Those who stay united with me and I with them are the ones who bear much fruit because apart from me you can't do a thing. Unless a person remains united with me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire where they are burned up. And verse 7, if you remain united with me, if you remain united with me and my words with you, then ask whatever you want and it will happen, happen for you. So stay in Yeshua. This idea, stay united with him. The verse, uh, verse 4, uh, I want to read one more time. Stay united with me. Stay united with me. Stay united with me. From the Greek, this word stay means wait, stay, live, be in, remain in, in Yeshua. The Lord is the most important in our lives, and he wants to be always on the first place. He is always the first. He is the Lord of our lives. One of the many meanings what does it mean to remain? Because to remain means so many things. I, I want to focus on one idea today. It's, it is to stay in Yeshua. It is to live in him, in his teaching, his will, to be where he sees us. I I'm strongly believe in my heart that we need to agree with the Lord, to value what he values, to love what he loves, to want for us what he wants for us to be on his side. So one of the ideas to stay in Yeshua, it means that to agree with him, to be in agreement with, his, with the Lord about what he loves, what he wants for us. I know that we are not perfect people and sometimes we do stupid things. Often we do sin against the Lord, but it is important to be always on his side, to be quick to repent and willing to change our own agendas when he shows us that they are, when they are wrong. 
I love the idea of Shuva uh, in Hebrew. Shuva means to turn around on 180 degrees. So it's not turn around 360 degrees <laughs> or 90 degrees. It means to turn around 180 degrees from your own ways of life to the Lord. To be in agreement with him and walk with him at the same path to follow him. We don't need to wait to make it Shuva. We don't need to become perfect to turn to him. We can do it now, today, this, this very moment. This is Shua, always ready, always open for us. I want to read Isaiah chapter 45 because I believe this is kind of picture of today's time. And um, let's read together. It's Isaiah chapter 45, verse 9. And I love these words here. Oi, to the one who quarrels with his maker. So it's, it's a problem. Like a pot among the pots of the earth. Shall the clay say to the potter, what have you made? Or does your work say it has no handles? Verse 10. Oi, to him who says to his father, what have you begotten? Or to a woman, what have you born? Thus says Adonai, the Holy One of Israel and its maker. I love this. The Holy One of Israel and its maker, the Lord. Ask me about the things to come upon my children when you will commit to me the work of my hands. And verse 12, this is the basis of everything in our life. I made the earth and created man on it. My hands stretch out the heavens and I commanded all their hosts. We live in the time when it looks like some people want to disagree with the Lord and fight him about everything, about what is sin, what marriage is, what is good and what is bad. I remember I lived in Ukraine when it was a communist country. And I remember when people were mocking God and took, taking his place, it was so common there. I remember the story when the first cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, actually I named in his honor, Yuri, my brother named me Yuri. When he went into the space and he said that I was in space and I found no God there. I remember these words. I remember stories how believers were not welcomed in the colleges and they were not able to have good jobs because of their faith. When churches and synagogues were prohibited, I remember the times. I read the history book when one of the communist leaders in uh, 1958, it was 1958, said that his goal is to show the last remained pastor on TV before 1965. But we know the truth. Soviet Union does not exist anymore. But Yeshua is alive today. And former Soviet Union experienced a great revival. It was a great time of outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we are the people of God. And we have only one option is to say the same words that Isaiah said in chapter 64, 64 verse 7. Isaiah 64 verse 7. But now Adonai, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are 
all the work of your hand. Now, Adonai, you are our father. We are the clay and you are pattern. You are the master. You are the Lord. We are all the work of your hand. You have all rights to do whatever you want to do because you are master, you are Lord. And I know from my personal experience and from experiences of other people, it is not easy task to be a clay. In times when you feel accomplished and comfortable, the Lord can stretch his hand and help you to be more flexible <laughs> because he is the master. He has an authority to reshape us at any time when he wants it. It is so important to remember and to know that our lives are a reflection of him and we can reflect him more only if we are close to him, if we are near him. I love the example of the moon. Um, it gives us light in the night. It shines only because the moon reflects the sun. Moon is dead and dark without the sun. And I believe the same with us. Without him, we don't have light and life in us because he is sustaining our lives. I would like to look in the second verse of John chapter 15, very briefly, because it's an important idea here. John chapter 15, verse two. And this is good news uh, with uh, some very interesting ideas. It's a good news for us. Sometimes it's hard to embrace, but it's a good news. Every branch, so we are branches and the Lord is promising to us. He's promised every branch. It's not like one after another, but every branch, which is a part of me, but fails to bear fruit, he cuts off. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. It is not a pleasant feeling to be pruned and often it is, not a, a, it is a painful experience. It is not pleasant. And I want to speak to everyone who has difficulties and trials in life, who is pruned by the Lord. Sometimes pruning can be a result of our sins and mistakes of our past. It's possible. Sometimes the Lord prunes our past. But also, it can be a time of a cleansing when the Lord directs us to the way where he wants us to grow. He's directing us. He's pruning us so we can grow in the direction where he wants us to grow. And I want to assure us for now, it's the truth of the scriptures, that every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit, every branch. So the Lord changes our character, our views. He shapes us into his image. And let's remember our history. The pruning is in the wilderness was an unpleasant, but necessary part in the history of the Jewish people. Without the desert, there will not be a fruitful and future of Israel. After each valley, there is a mountain and the Lord loves us and has great plans for every one of us. And I want to uh, conclude with one place of scripture from Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 24, Galatians five, 22 and 24. So Yeshua prunes us. He is pruning us today. He wants to, to grow his fruit inside of us. He's working in our lives, changing our characters. He's, he's our master. We are his clay. 
So Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in, in the Torah stands against such things. Moreover, those who belong to the Messiah Yeshua have put their old nature to death on the stake, along with its passions and desires. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's welcome Rabbi David from his home. Rabbi David. Rabbi Yuri, that's a great word that you were bringing. And I want to encourage everybody who is watching with us right now and participating with us to, to join me in something kind of funny, but we can say it this way. All God's branches say, Amen. You and I are branches in Messiah Yeshua. He's the vine, we're the branches. And so let all of God's branches say, Amen. You can put that in the comments and you can keep using that. And we can even say, and all God's pots say, Amen. You and I are pots, you and I are branches. I want to focus for a moment on the fact that we are branches in a vine, that Yeshua is the vine, the one true vine, and that we are growing in his vineyard by being part of his vine. I want you to think about this, that the soil that is best for grapevines to produce wonderful grapes for wine is rocky and craggy soil. It's often on a steep hillside, and it's not the kind of place that's good for growing corn or good for growing wheat or other cash crops. Our best fruit, the best fruit that you and I can produce is the fruit that comes when we're growing in what seems to be adverse conditions. And you might wanna take note of that. You might think that comfort produces the best life, but actually there's a kind of adversity that produces the best life. It's, it's, not, it's not adversity without meaning. It's not the adversity that, that a person who has a, a low image of themselves might find themselves in. It's not the adversity just of opposition, but it's, it's the wind. It's, it's the blazing sun. It's times of rain and times of dryness as well. It's the heat, it's the cold. It's that environment that is a strong environment that can produce the very best fruit from us. The plants that are grown in protected greenhouses are often very beautiful, but they're tender and they cannot always survive in their natural situations. You and I may start out as tender shoots, but we are meant to be fruitful branches on the vine that we have been grafted into Messiah Yeshua. And that requires that we live in a vineyard and we live in the context of what is good for a fruitful vine. And so I wanna to pray today for all of us about bearing fruit. And I want to as well pray about blessing in our lives. Because the focus that I have for this weekend is the multiplication of blessing 
And I'm going to continue this week with the time of blessing. When we're in the synagogue sanctuary on Saturday mornings, we have the children and then we have the adults come under a large and magnificent talit that we have. And we pray for God to bless each person. Each week has a different focus and it's wonderful to stand together with the expectation of receiving blessing from the Lord. And today I, I want to pray one of the blessings from the Amidah prayers, Michelle Allen and I were praying together by Zoom this week, and we prayed using this prayer in this direction. And we're using uh, a special version from the Sephardi Siddur. It's a little bit different than an Ashkenazi version. And if you want your year ahead to be really blessed, I want to tell you, get ready, because we want to pray for you in this direction. And if you want to join in in the blessing and the prayer, you can join in through the comments. So I'm going to read to you and pray by reading this, uh, this prayer first in English and then parts in Hebrew. And just some background, this, this prayer is usually rendered in an agricultural way because it was started during the time of an agricultural economy. And so it was praying for rain, it was praying for the morning dew, it was praying for the, the plantings and the agricultural harvest as well that would come from these plantings. But we have to understand something most of us don't live in an agricultural economy. And so we can take the principles and we can apply them to the life that we are living now. And so it's with some of the, the imagery of agriculture, but it's for the reality of our life today that we pray this. Bless us, O Lord our God, in all the works of our hands. And bless our years with dues, of favor, with the morning dew of favor, blessing, and benevolence. And let its end, let its final outcome be with life and contentment and satisfaction and peace. And this is the part I want to emphasize that the Sephardi version has. Like the best years of blessing. Keshanim hatavot lavracha like the best years of blessing. The Ashkenazi version speaks of like good years of blessing. But the Sephardi version amps it up a bit, like the best years of blessing. How would you like to be praying right now with me for this? Let's, let's pray. Write this in your comments. Oh Lord, give to us the best years of blessing. For you are a good and benevolent God, and you bless the years. Baruch atad anai mevarech hashanim. Blessed are you, O Lord, who blesses the years. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer, and it tells us something. God doesn't want us just to survive. He doesn't want us just to get out of a, a hole that we're in financially, of debt or lack of resources. He doesn't want to just leave us in that condition of barely having enough or not having enough. No, he wants to bless us. 
to be joined to Messiah Yeshua is to to be put into a new relationship with God so that you and I can be blessed by drawing life from him and bringing fruit from that life that he gives us. And I want to encourage you, stay strong. As Rabbi Yuri was saying, stay strong in the Lord, stay strong in your faith, keep close to him, abide in him. You and I are branches. We cannot exist apart from the life that we get constantly through our continuing relationship with the Lord. It's not a one and done thing. You make a decision somewhere anonymously in a big event or, or even just responding one time and saying, yes, Lord, I wanna follow you. No, every day and all throughout the day, we demonstrate the sincerity and, and the significance of our commitment to the Lord by saying yes to him now. We're saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we love you. We're saying, yes, Lord, we know that you're a God who blesses. And we know this, Lord, with your blessing, we can see astounding things. Without your blessing, we'll have nothing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for pouring out your blessing on everyone in the Mishpacha, everyone who's participating. And I pray that as we receive blessing, we can give blessing. We want to be able to give more and more and to have a greater and greater impact, Lord. And that's why we are asking for your continuing blessing in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Mishpacha, I also want to invite you on Wednesday night at 6.30 to join us on the Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Mishpacha page. It's a group page for those who are part of the congregation and those who we know who are close to us. And we will be having on Wednesday night, July 1st, we'll be having a time of prayer as we always do on the first uh, Wednesday of each month. But we will also be having a time of celebrating the meal of Messiah, so Dat HaMashiach, a time of, of communing together with the Lord, of remembering all the benefits that the Lord gives us, and of prayer and worship together. It's going to be a wonderful time, so please join us 6.30 on the Mishpocha page. It's, it's not on this page, it's on the Mishpocha group page. If you are a member of Beth Israel or you are, um, a, you consider Beth Israel to be your Mishpocha, make sure that you're on that page and that you've signed up to join in with us. Well, I want to continue with the Torah study that Rabbi Yuri launched this morning because I think it's so useful. And I, I want to talk today about the theme that that's on my heart about the multiplication of blessings, because God wants to use us to multiply blessings. And I want to talk to you about an important perspective that I think is useful for everyone in almost every kind of situation. It's a perspective that Abraham learned from the Lord about the multiplication of blessing. And in the comment section right now, I want to encourage you to write this phrase down, multiplication of blessing. It's worth emphasizing. And when you and I write in the comments such a statement, and many of us do it together, it, it's like a resounding symphony 
of voices and hearts. So join in with us in this way, multiplication of blessings. Put that in the comments section. I know many of you did that last night. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage everyone who has the ability to type into the comments section right now to type those words, multiplication of blessing. It's an important idea that God wants to multiply blessings. It's embedded in the passage that is so familiar to us about the call of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. You can turn there in your Bibles right now, Genesis 12 verses two and three. And I want to emphasize five ways that blessing is being multiplied in this passage. It may not have been obvious to you when you're reading it, but I want it to be really clear to you. God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. So that's the first aspect. I will bless you, says the Lord. And then it goes on. And I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Or as some translations better render it, be a blessing. So that's the second aspect. The first is God will bless us. The second aspect is we are commanded to be a blessing to others. Verse three, and I will bless those who bless you. I, I want to take that apart, that passage apart, because it contains two different aspects of blessing. There are people who will bless you, the Lord is saying. There are other people who will bless you. And then the Lord says, this is the fourth aspect, and I will bless them. So this is so interesting when you realize that God has joined us with Abraham and made us either physical or spiritual descendants of Abraham. We become part of Abraham's mishpocha. He is a spiritual father to us because of the faith and the faithfulness that he had with the Lord. We are not left alone. We are not in a constant state of siege where we're having to defend ourselves. God will bring to us people who will bless us. He will bring them from surprising directions. He will even use people who might surprise us to be a blessing to us. The Lord says, I will bless those who bless you. Do you see the two components? There will be people who will bless you. And the Lord says, and I will bless them. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the fifth aspect of multiplied blessing. In you, by you, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That is worth writing in the comments and underlining for yourself. All the families of the earth will be blessed. What is the plan of God? It's that all the people groups of the world would learn to relate to Abraham and the children of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham, in such a way that they receive blessing. Not just material blessing, but first of all, the spiritual blessing of a right relationship with God that is complemented with the blessing of right relationship with other people. So there are five aspects of multiplied blessing in this passage. The Lord says, I will bless you. Then he says to Abraham, you be a blessing. And then the Lord says, this is number three, others will bless you. 
Number four, the Lord says he'll bless those who bless you. And number five, the Lord says, by you and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It really is a wonderful way of relating to the Lord and the life that he has given us, this life of faith. And it shapes our view of how, how, it, how life really is in this world. There are hardships, there are difficulties, the adversaries at work, the accuser of the brethren is at work, those who want to divide and sow seeds of discord are at work. Of course, that's adversity. However, God is at work, blessing, and he's wanting us to multiply blessing. You see, the Lord does not want us to think that there is a fixed supply of blessing but rather, he wants us to understand that blessing can be multiplied, that the blessing that you receive is not just for yourself. It can be multiplied. You can, you can spend yourself on behalf of other people. And think of it this way, that one Abraham, there was one Abraham, he gave blessing to others. And there's this principle it's, it, it really is a principle we should all be familiar with because of the coronavirus pandemic. It is the, um, it's the principle of exponential multiplication and growth. One blesses two or more. Each of those who receives a blessing then blesses themselves two or more. And in this way, the blessing spreads. It's just like blessings can be contagious and they can spread um, in, in the same way that anything else that's contagious could spread, blessings can spread. So I'm saying this sensitively, but I want you to think of it like this. God wants a pandemic of blessing. You might want to put that in the comments now pandemic of blessing. There is another kind of pandemic going on, but God is at work in our lives, in our hearts. He wants to use us to create a pandemic of blessing for others. When you and I understand that we have been given the opportunity to bear spiritual fruit, we have an opportunity that's amazing. We can continue the effort and the ministry and the calling of Abraham by taking the position that God gave him, being a blessing to others and multiplying, even exponentially increasing blessing. Abraham learned to be a blessing. He blessed others and he learned a very important perspective that I think is so useful for us now. Blessing can be multiplied. There is not a finite supply of blessing that has to be divided up into smaller and smaller pieces. Blessing can increase. It's important to grasp this because it promotes an attitude of generosity and sharing. And when I have this attitude, when you have this attitude, we can know that we can be blessed and others around us can be blessed as well. I can be blessed and you can be blessed. You can be blessed and others around you can be blessed as well. It's not what is called a zero sum game where there's a fixed supply of something that we both want and if you get more, it means I get less. It, it's not a win-lose scenario. It's not like this, if I win, you lose. If you win, I lose. No, it's, it's not like either of those. It, 
to give a physical image, it's not like there's just one pie. And if I get a larger slice, it means that you'll only be able to get a smaller slice. This is important because much of society today lives like blessings are limited. And if you get yours, I can't get mine. It's an either or us and them attitude that flows from this. It's a deeply flawed perspective and it can produce unlimited kinds of trouble for all of us. God said to Abraham, I will bless you. You bless others. Others will bless you. I'll bless them. Everyone's going to get blessed. Everyone can be blessed. Blessing increases blessing. Blessing multiplies blessing. This perspective shapes not only our attitudes, it shapes our behaviors. And this good perspective that I'm talking to leads to such things as generosity, to cheerfulness, to valuing other people, to showing preference to other people. Generosity, because when I see this, I can be generous and I can freely share with others. I can be cheerful as well. I can happily give and I can rejoice when you are blessed. Sandy and I love to pray for the Mishpacha at Beth Israel, and we pray for God's blessing to increase in your lives and in the lives of your children and your children's children as well, in your whole family. We pray for you to have promotions at work, to have increase of every kind. We pray for you to be faithful with God so that he can bless everything that you put your hands to. The other things that I mentioned, valuing others, when we have this attitude and perspective, we can recognize that everyone's part is valuable. And we can show preference to other people. I can help you get what you need and what you want, and I can still have a great life. I don't have to have that stingy, miserly poverty attitude that there's not enough to go around, and so I just gotta keep for myself. No, I can spend myself on behalf of you. I can help you. I can prefer you. I can show honor to you. In this week's Torah portion, we read about Korach and his rebellion against Moses and Aaron and the Lord. And I don't really want to focus on the rebellion. Rather, I want to connect Korach's perspective about his own life and life in general with what I was just sharing. Korach wasn't satisfied with his part. He wanted Moses' part also, and Aaron's part. He coveted Moses' part. Korach wanted what Moses had been given, and he did not want Moses to have it. He didn't know the importance of his own work and his own life. Karach didn't recognize the value of what God had assigned to him and the responsibilities that God had entrusted to him. And so he used his leadership gifts wrongly. Instead of bringing increased blessing, he divided and he brought destruction. He lost his own ministry. He lost his own life. He lost his reputation and he brought disaster to all those who allied with him. It is a sad reminder of what can happen when we give in to the sins of covetousness. Now I want to switch over to, to the perspective, not of Abraham, but of the Messianic Jews of the first generation of those who were following Yeshua. I want to move in that direction and look at how their attitude 
and their perspective about multiplied blessing influenced their ministry to the whole world. Now, in theology, the new covenant is built upon the idea of increase and expansion, multiplied growth by inclusion. The glory of God and the kingdom of God increase on the face of the earth as more people love God and dedicate themselves to him and the life of faith. For the first generation of Messianic Jews, this meant that they went out and they freely shared the good news of the coming of Messiah. First, they went to those who were near their own Jewish people, and then they went to those who were further away, the nations and the people groups all around them and even further away. As the Messianic Jews freely shared, there was increase for all. There were challenges, but there was increase for all. As Gentiles, as Goyim, which means other people groups, other nationalities, other ethnic groups, as, as Gentiles were added to the community of faith, it was meant by God to bring increase to God and to God's people. Because the plan of God was to reach the whole world, not just the Jewish people, but the whole wide world. Unfortunately, covetousness and, and what some call a zero-sum bias cause trouble. Zero-sum bias is when you have this underlying assumption that it's a zero-sum condition and there's a finite supply of, of good or blessing or desired something. And in order for me to get what I want and need, I've got to take away from what's available for you. That attitude actually became the basis, I believe, of replacement theology and supersessionism, where Gentiles who had been grafted in and had been lovingly received into the new covenantal work that was expanding on the face of the earth, that some Gentiles rose up and they thought that they took the place of the Jews. When you read some of the epistles to the Romans, the Galatians and the others, the Ephesians, you understand that the apostles were having to constantly do battle through prayer, through relationship, but also through reasoned logic and argument with those Gentiles who had the wrong idea, the ones who thought that they took the place of the Jewish people. And there became, because of that covetousness and that 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 bias, uh, a Gentile concept of the church that displaced the Hebrew concept of kehilah or kahal or, or community. This other concept was like this, the Gentile church in wanting to take the blessing of the Jews, tried to take the blessing from the Jews, leaving the Jews with nothing. Of course, not everyone felt that way. The power of replacement theology, though, dominated the emergence of Gentile Christianity in the era of the bishops and for many even to this day. And thankfully now, many see the harm that attitude produces and they've adopted a different perspective. And because of that, their theology 
is being refined and becoming more noble. Thank God for the Jews and the Gentiles who value each other and appreciate how we can share in the blessings of the kingdom of God. I believe God's called us to participate in his Jewish revival. But I also understand this, the revival of the Jewish people is not the last thing. It's part of a process that God is using to bring revival, restoration, and new life in Messiah to all the world and all the nations of the world. The first generation of Yeshua's disciples learned that all of us are important. You might want to write this in the comment section. It would be so great. All of us are important. And that's why today we can say, whenever we're gathering, you are important. You are important as a part of the body of Messiah and as a part of our mishpacha, as a part of our congregation. All of us are important and you are important. The different nations, the different people, groups, the different ethnic groups are important. We don't need our ethnicity to disappear. We need the enmity between our ethnicities to disappear. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It's a statement that the apostle Peter, who was apostle to the Jews, made when he was used by God to bring the good news to Gentiles who were living in Caesarea and had gathered in the house of Cornelius. Let me read it to you. Peter says this, now I really understand, now I really get it, that God does not show favoritism, but he welcomes, he welcomes those from every nation and every ethnic group who respect him, who fear him, and who do what is right. He has given this message for the Jewish people, and we proclaim it. We proclaim the gospel of peace, of shalom, through Yeshua the Messiah, who is Lord of all people groups. He is the Lord of all nations. He's the Lord of all ethnic groups. This was the message that Peter gave. It's a message of inclusion, and he recognized this. We all stand to gain. We all stand to increase when we see each other in the same light, and we stand to lose if we see each other with different eyes. It's so important in our country in this age. It's embedded even in some of the founding statements and documents of our country, the United States of America. Think of this, liberty and justice for all. Underline that. Put that in the comments section. Share that with others for all. It's meant for all. And whenever we discover that not everyone has enough liberty, not everyone has enough justice, you and I are called to keep aiming for, reaching for, and working for that ideal that all would experience liberty and justice here. It's embedded, of course, in the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. It's embedded in what's called the golden rule. Matthew 7, 12 um, expresses it this way. Whatever you want men to do to you, Yeshua said, do also to them. For this is the Torah and this is the prophets. Or as the New International Version puts it, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the Torah and the prophets. The English Standard Version. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the Torah and the prophets. 
Luke 6.31 puts it this way, just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Do to others as you would have them do to you, or as we learned so long ago when we were kids, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. This idea is called the golden rule. It's powerful that, that we show others the very thing that we want for ourselves. We want respect, we show respect. We want justice, we show justice, we give justice. It's not just an ideal, it shapes our behavior. It shapes the ways that we organize the structures of our government in the ways that we bring healing to the systems of our political efforts, our economic and our social efforts as well. Galatians 5.14, written by the Apostle Paul to a Gentile audience, but given in the scriptures for all of us to learn from, puts it this way, for all of the Torah can be summed up in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The Jewish sage Hillel put it famously in another form, what is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. This is the whole Torah, the rest is the explanation, go and learn. My own personal version is this, what you want for yourself, give to others. I have been thinking about how important it is, it is for us to have a perspective that we can multiply blessing, and not only that, but that we can receive what we need without having to take it away from others in order to get it. God can bring increase, multiplied increase to us. I can receive justice, and I can make sure you receive justice too. I can receive respect and make sure that you receive it. It's not necessary. It's not necessary, I wanna say it this way, to expect collateral damage to others. By that I mean it's not necessary to think, well, if, if we're gonna have justice, if we're gonna fight anti-Semitism, it will be at the expense of fighting racism. No, we can fight against both together, not just being against it, but we can be for something else. We can be for the Jewish people and we can be for all of those who have black skin and brown skin, all the people of color. We can stand up not just for ourselves, but we can stand up for others as well. We don't have to settle for tokenism. We don't have to settle for just symbolic efforts. And we don't have to settle for collateral damage where we think in order to get what we need, it, it's too bad, but others around us will suffer. No, we're called to be like Abraham, to be a blessing, to receive blessing, to be blessed by others and to bless others and to have a positive impact of grace and goodness, rightness, justice and mercy and love on all the nations of the world, including all the people groups in our own circles. I've been thinking about what it was like growing up in the 60s, in the 70s, times of tremendous tumult, and also times of um, great change. As my old schoolmate Ben Bullington wrote, the change comes in fits and starts. 
And it was like that and it continues to be like that. And when we were young, my generation did some heavy lifting regarding blacks and whites and other ethnic groups here in America. And we did the heavy lift of breaking out of segregation by going to school together. We were just kids. We were just young kids and teenagers, but we learned to go to school together. And we did the heavy lifting of serving in the military together. We did the heavy lifting. It, it may not be obvious to a younger generation now that is not aware of how segregated life really was, but we did the heavy lifting of eating at restaurants together. It was against social customs and even laws in the South. In so many places, blacks and whites could not eat at the same counter. They couldn't eat at the same table. They couldn't eat in the same section. There was a separation between them. And, and our generation learned to eat together to become neighbors together, to travel together, to be on planes together and buses together, to, to be on trains together, to shop together, to go to the same stores together, to be in each other's presence. It wasn't just that blacks would be servant class to the whites, so they'd be in the stores, but they'd be uh, the clerks. No, we learned to shop together at the same stores. We learn to manage together. And perhaps most significantly, we learn to make families together, to worship together, and to work together. And we're working together every day. That's the reality. And we have family members now, many of us in our congregation, and many people all throughout America have family members who are black, and family members who are white, and family members who are the children of blacks and whites, and together. And we have family members who are a different color than our skin, and their in-laws, or their children, or their grandchildren, but we've made family together. And now we know something that other generations may not have known through experience. Other generations, even people today, may not know. And that is that there are good, and there are wonderful people of every color. And it's the opportunity of our lifetime. It's the opportunity of this generation now to bring stability and peace and freedom and justice to all of us. Now, Beth Israel is a small picture of what's possible. And we have work to do because we have to learn how to love each other even more. But by treating each other as family and community, we show our strength and the rightness of our effort. We have people from all over the world who are part of Beth Israel. We have people from every economic strata, from every uh, social strata. We have people from many different countries and languages, but we come together united by the vision of Messiah to bring restoration and life to the Jewish people and all the nations of the world and all of us together. The love and respect that you and I can bring to the public square will lift us all up. And this indeed, I believe, is the heavy lifting for today because what's in short supply is cooperation. What's in short supply is working together, but we are actually doing it, we can do it better. 
and we can do it more. What's in short supply is showing love and respect one to another, even as we're trying to settle and work and work out how to go beyond tokenism and how to go beyond just superficial and shallow or symbolic change and really get to the root where we can live together with peace and love and harmony. It sounds so idealistic when we talk about it, but when the prophets of Israel wrote about it, it was powerful and it's still powerful today. We're working together every day and that's what we will continue to do because it's not only right, it is good. You might want to write that in the comments. It's not only right, it is good. And we will build upon the progress that has already been made and we'll move forward together towards the ideals and promises that are expressed in our founding documents, in our scriptures, in the experience of those who have actually blazed the path before us but we haven't fully experienced. We're not gonna settle for just a partial solution when God can take us further. We're not gonna settle just for shallow or one-sided or token opportunities. We're gonna make the most of this. And as we work together, I think we'll be able to distinguish between all the people who have good hearts and goodwill and those that don't. We will be able to put distance between ourselves and all those on the edges who would prefer to destroy and to tear down. I hope this is encouraging you. We want to set direction for ourselves. We want to be clear for ourselves that we are moving forward. This is a Kadima season for Beth Israel. It's a Kadima season for the entire world, I believe, for our generation. But actually, not just my generation, but the generations that are alive today. And it will benefit not just us, but the generations yet to come. This is a great time. It's a great opportunity. As difficult as it is, just remember this. You and I are branches in a vine. And the vine is planted on a craggy, rocky soil, on a steep hillside. And what seems to be adversity is actually meant to bring out the best fruit in us. Hold on to that. And when you do, you know what? You'll be filled with faith and hope and expectation. And you'll be able to see the value of what God has called you to do. And you'll be able to see the value of what others have to do as well. You won't give in to that sin or that spirit of covetousness and you will be able to abide in the Lord and you'll be able to stay in faith and in peace with God's people. It's a great opportunity for us. Let's take advantage of it and make the most of it and bear fruit that brings honor and glory to the Lord. I want to wrap things up and thank you for your continued faithful and generous and cheerful support, even your sacrificial giving, and the ways that you have been faithful to continue to contribute your tithes and your offerings during the season. And we are grateful. We appreciate your generosity and your cheerfulness. Your sacrificial giving as well is an inspiration to us all and helps us move forward together. If Live From Home has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting us? If our podcast has been a blessing to us, would you consider supporting us? You can join and stand shoulder to shoulder with us financially 
by going to bethisraelnow.com slash giving. You'll find out all the information about the easy to use and very secure giving platforms that we use, Giving Fire and PayPal. They're very secure. They're easy to set up and to customize and we have had no security problems at all with them. You can also use the US mail and your bank pay system for sending checks to us as well. And we're so grateful to you. I want to just pause for a moment and pray for Willie Woods, Florence's husband, who has been hospitalized. He's really been going through some serious health crises that's affecting uh, many parts, uh, including his bladder and his kidneys, his blood. He's needed transfusions. And, and so we just want to pray for Willie. Would you join me before we close? Lord, we lift Willie up to you and we pray for life for him. We pray you would pour out life, that you would restore him, and that you would use skillful doctors who understand what to do to bring health to him in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Well, we want to close with Aaron's blessing as we normally do. And Sandy's going to join me for that, as Sandy normally does when we're in the sanctuary. <laughs> so... After this, we will join Eric Painter at his home for a final worship song together. And I want to remind you when we're finished, you might want to go very quickly back to our page and look for Cantor Aaron Jacobs' Torah teaser for this week. It is one of his best ever. Thank and you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. And anyone who likes knives and sharp things, you definitely want to watch this Torah teaser. It's powerful, it's useful, and it's very understandable. Well, let's close with Aaron's blessing and then we'll join Eric Painter at his home. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha, yisa Adonai panavelecha, v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine brightly upon you. The Lord give you peace through the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, our Messiah. And let all God's branches and all God's pots say, Amen. Amen. So let's join Eric Painter at his home for a final worship song together. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Eric. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Mishpacha. One more time. Let's close our time together today with one more song, Congregation of the Righteous. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. And he will bless the humble with Yeshua. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Let the saints rejoice in his glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And the two-edged sword in their hand. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, and he will bless the humble in Yeshua. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new 
song in the congregation of the righteous. All praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. And he will bless the humble in Yeshua. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. All praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Let the saints rejoice in his glory. Let them sing joy, for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, and he will bless the humble with the shua. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Oh, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Oh, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Shalom.